Thank you, Dave. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you, Radiant Life, for that welcome today. It's good to see everybody, and happy Father's Day. Uh, we're so excited to see dads and granddads in this place, and hopefully you're having some great plans, and thank you for including the house of God in your plans today to celebrate uh, our Heavenly Father and to celebrate what uh, God's done in each of your lives. I'm really thankful for the opportunity and the privilege to be here at Radiant Life today, and in case you're watching online or in case you're visiting today, uh, Pastor Dave referenced uh, pa Pastor Chris's and Rachel's return. They've been on the sabbatical, as he said, and so we're looking forward to seeing uh, all that God has done in their lives, and uh, we invite you to come back. If you're visiting today or online, come on in and see what Radiant Life is all about, and the family and friends here that are looking forward to meeting you and helping you like they've helped so many people over the decades to experience fullness of life in Jesus Christ. So like my predecessors the last few weeks, I'm continuing in a Something Bigger series emphasis. I believe last week Nate Ortiz was here. Did you enjoy Nate, our state youth director? Uh, he is uh, really busy along with Matt and Liz Clark, who are here today, leading our Ohio Youth Ministries team. Uh, as uh, Pastor Dave said, there is a camp coming up this week, and another one the next week. There's three youth camps uh, happening this summer, and uh, like the two weeks of kids camp that follow, uh, the registrations are coming in full bore, and we just don't really have a lot of room. It's creating a new problem for us, and so we're thankful for that. But um, mainly we're thankful for all that God does in the lives of our young people around the state, and you are part of that. Hopefully you heard a little bit about that last week, and but before that, Josh Williford was here, also just helping, as Pastor Chris had instructed us, to help remind the folks here at Radiant Life that what's happening in Dublin and Greater Columbus that you're part of is incredible. Keep it up. And in case you don't know, you're also part of something around the clock that's happening around Ohio, around the nation, and the world. You support 80 ministries and missionaries as part of this church and it's making a global impact. You could say this accurately. The sun never sets on the ministries of Radiant Life Church because your prayers and your financial support is literally going around the world. So thank you for that. If our audio and visual team could help us today, I'm going to pull an audible here real quick. I'd like to go to our Ohio for Jesus slides because that's my assignment today. We're going to do Father's Day which we need to do, but I also want to help with that something bigger slice. And so I wanted to just uh, remind you that there is an Ohio for Jesus website, because as Pastor Dave said, nearly 300 churches here in Ohio were partnering together for a lot of things that we could not do uh, on our own. We just couldn't do them. But together, and, and I don't know that any church is leading the pack like Radiant Life Church to help inspire what we're doing together. Out in the auditorium or in the lobby today, I saw these magazines. Uh, that's Ohio for Jesus. You can pick up the latest edition. You can have this hard copy mailed to your home if you fill out the information that's in the magazine, or you can view it online. It comes out three or four times a year, and it's just a way of helping all of our churches like Radiant Life to be up to speed on what's happening. Because in case you don't know it, uh, you hear a lot of headlines, but the churches who network and partner with Radiant Life and the Assemblies of God. We are growing across Ohio. Uh, last year, we're thankful that 5,000 more new people joined our churches across the state. And more churches uh, are in existence today 
than there were a year ago and more last year than the year before. And in fact, we have more churches now in our Ohio Assemblies of God family than we've ever had in our history. And, and we're fighting tooth and nail for that. It's not easy. There's a lot of struggles that come along with that, as you can imagine, a lot of pushback. But we are moving forward. And in case you don't know it, here in Ohio, over the last two years, we have seen a greater net gain of churches in our state than we have seen across the nation anywhere. And we say thank God for what the local churches are doing. You're part of Ohio for Jesus, which has some amazing goals. We have a vision that recognizes Ohio is broken. Our vision is Ohio forgiven, healed, and whole. That's what we believe the Holy Spirit is wanting us to see. Envision Dublin forgiven, healed, and whole. Do you have that faith? Do you have that faith that, that Columbus and Cincinnati and, and Dayton and Toledo, that we can see more and more every year Ohio forgiven, healed, and whole? Our mission that drives us is developing leaders, I saw that out there in your lobby today, developing leaders to multiply disciples of Jesus by the Spirit's power. That's what we do. Our vision is what we see, and our mission is what we do, developing leaders to multiply more and more disciples of Jesus by our own strength, to do it all on our own. No, that's not what it says. By the Spirit's power. That's how we're going to do this, is by the Holy Spirit working through us. And together we have some audacious goals that we're believing by the year 2030 we're going to reach. It sounds crazy, but we've already seen these last few years that something, despite all the challenges, something is heading in the right direction. And so we're believing that by the year 2030, God is going to help us to raise up 25,000 new leaders in our churches across the state because 250,000 people, we're believing, are going to get saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit so they can multiply disciples of Jesus. And with that, we think we're going we're gonna to have the Lord's help to plant 1,000 new churches and to see a 300% increase in our missions giving and in our missions sending. Did you know that this church has a history of sending people out from here who go to other places across the nation and around the globe? So be careful. Be careful. You never what's gonna, know what's going to happen. And we know that Radiant Life is going to continue to do that more and more. All the details are available at ohioforjesus.com. Uh, ohioforjesus.com. You can uh, download there. You can uh, sign up for a uh, subscription to this. There's some amazing testimonies. I love the section in this new magazine about all the immigrant churches that have been planted in Ohio just in the last year or two. Uh, it's a battle for me, a, a struggle. I'm trying to keep count. I don't know how many English-speaking services I've been in this year or non-English speaking, and I just love it because the Spirit is moving across the state. You are part of something bigger. So Father's Day is here, and I, I feel like as a father, it's okay. I could let the, the cat out of the bag if that's okay. There's, there's a secret that, that I might lose my man card for this, but there's a secret that men are keeping, and that is it. We love being men. I mean, we do. We really do. We love being men. We only need one suitcase for a seven-day trip. Did you know that? It's It's awesome. The same hairstyle lasts for years, maybe even decades when you're a man. We get extra credit for the simplest acts of kindness. It's, it's, it's incredible. 
We can go to the bathroom without a support group. If people forget to invite us to something, they can still be our friends. Gray hair and wrinkles actually add character. (laughs) If another guy shows up at a party in the same outfit, we might just become friends for life. (laughs) It's awesome being a man. Our big bellies typically take care of hiding our big hips. It's, it's so amazing. Our pals never trap us with that question. So do you notice anything different? It's awesome being a man. One wallet, one pair of shoes, and one color all seasons. It's awesome. And finally, my favorite, Christmas shopping can be accomplished for about 25 people on the day before Christmas in only 45 minutes, if it's a decent truck stop, all right? (laughs) So dads, we honor all of you today in all seriousness. We've got some many flavors of being a father expressed in this room today and then even more so with those who are watching online. We've got first time dads in the room today. They're sleeping. They are so tired. (laughs) Congratulations to all the first-time dads. And I'd be remiss if I didn't acknowledge that my uh, son is a first-time dad, and he's here in the room today all the way from Wisconsin with his wife, Hannah. And they brought their two bouncing baby boy twins uh, to Ohio for the weekend. Thrilled to have them here today. I've got other family in the room. Uh, Of course, our daughter, Abigail, and her husband, Wayne, uh, attend here. They're part of Radiant Life. And we have our son, Clayton, who's here, and his fiancée, Kaylin, are visiting. And, of course, my wife is here, and she uh, drove to Kahanga this morning to bring her mother so they could all uh, be worshiping together as a family. So Radiant Life, thanks for hosting our Wooten family celebration this week. We're grateful. Did I miss anybody? All right. Okay. We've got first-time dads. Matt Sullivan is here, right? We've got some other First-time dads watching today. We've got adoptive and foster dads. That is amazing. This church has empty nester dads. That's awesome. We have in-law dads. We have stepdads. We have single dads. We have granddads. His first Father's Day means I'm a first grandfather Father's Day, so I'm loving that. In fact, if you fill the role of dad in anyone's life here today or watching online, we are celebrating you we, we love you. We thank you. We, we couldn't do what we do without you. And we hope today through the, the gifts, the tokens, and the words and the prayer that you'll feel encouraged and strengthened in the challenging role that you have as a father. In fact, as we look at Scripture in a few moments, I'm reminded, of course, always that audience matters. Did you know that, that every book in the New Testament was written to Christians? Every letter that was written, every book, it was, it was written to people who already believed in Jesus. And so thank God that the Bible has the power of life and the word of God never returns void. When it's declared, it always has an impact. It never returns void. But it's important to know that sometimes people don't understand what makes so much sense to us because they don't yet have Jesus and the Holy Spirit inside of them, Right? And that's why sometimes it feels like we might be speaking a foreign language, especially if we've been serving Jesus for decades. Sometimes it's hard to imagine the filter through which people who've never served Jesus are hearing and absorbing what we take for granted. And so if you are here today or watching online and and you would say maybe that Jesus is not your Savior, if you would say that your knowledge of Scripture 
uh, like the three contestants on Jeopardy this week who were not able to supply the word that comes after our Father, which art in heaven. If you saw that, it's kind of going viral. Um, you are welcome here. This church loves you, and they want to partner with you and, and show you what they have learned and what the Holy Spirit has helped them uh, to see in their own lives. But I must say that some of what I'm going to say today may not make sense to you right away if that's your case. But you are loved, and this church wants to help you. So please check out uh, what Radiant Life has to offer. So the scripture that I want to refer to then is, is a two-parter. We're going to go first to Hebrews, and then uh, later on we're going to come to 2 Timothy. But for now, let's read the first 11 verses of Hebrews together. Hebrews chapter 12, and of course, uh, who wrote Hebrew, uh, the author of Hebrews, which many people think is Paul, but others are not so sure, so we don't really know. But whoever wrote it didn't start out to write 13 chapters. They, they set out to write what the Holy Spirit was giving them. And then later on, scholars came along and said, well, this, this is a good place to call it a chapter. And these are the good verses. So, so what comes today follows on the Hall of Faith in chapter 11, which many of you are very familiar with. All these people in Scripture, especially the Old Testament, who, who lived uh, dedicated lives through some very challenging circumstances, who, who, according to chapter 11, made some mistakes along the way. But now we pick up in verse 12 with that strength of look what they were able to do with God's help. And now verse 1 in chapter 12. Therefore, we too, we too, all of us, since we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, come on. Let's lay aside every weight. It's time. Let's lay aside the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let's run with endurance the race that is set before us. With a great example, verse 2, looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who also ran a race. And because of the joy that was set before him, he ran that race, enduring the cross, despising the shame. And then he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Jesus, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls, because it's a tough race that we're running. A lot of dads will say, and a lot of parents will think to, to their teenage children, life is so hard. Please don't make it harder. It's already hard enough. Can I get a witness? Yes, life is hard. Consider Jesus so that you don't become weary and discouraged. Verse 4, because remember, Jesus is the one. He resisted all the way to bloodshed, and, and we have not. He was doing that, striving against sin. Verse 5, and have we forgotten the exhortation which speaks to us as sons, as children? My son, do not despise the chastening, the discipline of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and he scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten or discipline? Everyone is disciplined, right? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you're actually illegitimate and not even sons, right? Everybody endures discipline. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to our heavenly Father, the Father of spirits, and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening, no discipline seems joyful for the present, in case that surprises you, 
It's not joyful right now, but it's painful, actually. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So this is talking, of course, about us as individuals. And the example here is our, the, the point is our Heavenly Father. Let's endure these challenging times and hang close to him because we're running a race. But the example that the writer uses is the one that we're supposed to all be familiar with. And, of course, we know there are exceptions. But in general, all of us should know what it's like to endure the discipline and the training of our earthly fathers. And what does verse 9 say? And even with them, we pay them respect. So how much more our Heavenly Father? And so with verse 9, we want to pay respect today to our dads. We, we give them props today for the way that dads in this room, uh, dads who are part of this church, have paid such a price and have made such an impact. So today I want to talk about two slices, two filters of looking at the role that fathers play. Dads and dichotomies. Dads and dichotomies, two examples of contrast. What is a dichotomy? A dichotomy is a division. It's a contrast between two things that are either represented as being opposed or they actually are opposed. They're, they're entirely different. Every dad knows what it's like to encounter a lot of opposing forces, contrasts in, on the one hand, this, but on the other hand, that. And I want to look at two of those today, our influence and our identity. The dichotomy of our influence and the dichotomy of a dad's identity. The first dichotomy is based on a classic good news, bad news reality. When a dad chooses wrongly, his choice often multiplies discouragement, frustration, and harm in others. There are countless examples throughout the centuries and in our own lives today. I know we would, we would think of some examples where that's, that's the case. One choice by that man. One choice by that father. However, the opposite is also true, I believe, to an even greater degree. When a dad chooses rightly, his choice spreads encouragement. His choices spread freedom. His choices spread health beyond their wildest imagination and expectation because of the laws, because of the blessing that our Heavenly Father provides when fathers say, I'm, I'm ready. I, I'm, I'm in for the long haul. I want to please my Heavenly Father. Some of you in the room today are in my wife's position. This is Bridget's first Father's Day with her father in heaven. And that is really tough at times to have a dad who's on the other side who's not with us and the same is true, of course, for her mother, who's experiencing her first Father's Day with, without her husband uh, for many, many decades, of course. But the good news is, is although it's really tough at times, it's also a secret strength, isn't it? Some of you know what I'm talking about. It's a source of comfort. Even though the Father is, is in heaven and not with us physically anymore on a daily basis, on a regular basis, we can pull on those memories. We can pull on the strength of, of what they invested in us. Father's Day is challenging for a lot of people, and, and because of that reason, we, we want you to know we encourage and we remember you today as well. And we, we know that the rest of your lives, you will draw on the investment that your father, who's now advanced to his eternal reward, has placed in your life. 
But everybody who knew my wife's father, and I'm sure in many examples in this room today, you know how true it is that their good choices to honor God, their wives, and their families caused a reverberating impact of encouragement and freedom and health beyond what he could have ever imagined as a young man. In his case, growing up in a small town in Northeast Ohio, I promise you, he could have never envisioned the fruit of his labor and investment in the lives of his children and grandchildren. That's how God works. Many of you today are filled with gratitude for a dad just like that, who, who made small, simple, steady choices, and the result of what happened is it just blows them away, and, and all we can do is say thank God for the impact that a single father can have through honoring God with his choices. Thank you, dads in the room today, for your sacrifice. Thank you for your love. Thank you for not giving up. Thank you for hanging in there. Thank you, most of all, for following Jesus. Of course, not, not every dad makes those choices. Every day in life, at work, school, in the community, our neighborhoods, on, certainly on TV, we, we are familiar with dads who are struggling and overwhelmed and they need the truth and the strength that, that Jesus offers them, the truth and strength that a church like Radiant Life is eager to show them and like this church has done for decades, walking with fathers, new fathers, experienced fathers, walking arm in arm, supporting them through the challenges of their life. So let's start with some troubling news about dads before we get to the good stuff. This is just true. If you've if you take virtually every societal problem in America today, and right here in Northwest Columbus, at the root of that problem, you're likely going to find the undisciplined, unwise, unthoughtful choice of a man. For example, more than 90% of prisoners today are male. And the vast majority of prisoners, both men and women, come from homes where the father made a choice to exit. It's just the scientific truth. Abortion is associated with significant pain, as you would all readily acknowledge. And there is no abortion that does not involve a man. And the vast majority of abortions happen because of an absent or unsupportive man involved in the pregnancy. In 2000, it was alarming that 33% of all U.S. births occurred out of wedlock. But by 2016, that number had risen to 40%. Thank God there are millions of exceptions, and they're amazing, and they're right here at Radiant Life Church, especially in the cases of adoption and Christian foster parents. But still, the remaining truth is that children who grow up without the presence of their biological fathers in their lives, are on average at least twice, if not three times as likely to be poor, to use drugs, to experience educational, health, emotional, and behavioral problems, to be victims of child abuse, and to engage in criminal behavior. But despite the sobering reality of those statistics, and these don't come from Scripture. These come from the University of Virginia, 
They come from various doctoral theses and, and papers and dissertations. They come from Pew Research and many others. If you need the sources, we can provide them. They also indicate the fantastic news, the good news about dads. Did you know, and you need to be educated if you don't, so that you can say it with confidence, regardless of race, education, or income, children who are born to a mother who is married to their father are three times more likely to grow up with a father who is present and active in their lives than when children are born to unmarried parents. And they're four times more likely than those born to unmarried parents who don't live together. Regardless of race, education, or income, children with involved, loving fathers are significantly more likely to do well in school, to have healthy self-esteem, to exhibit empathy and pro-social behaviors and avoid high-risk behaviors like drug use and, and truancy and criminal activity compared to children who don't have any involvement with their fathers in their lives. The men and families of Dublin Radiant Life Church are uniquely qualified and positioned to impact the men of this area by helping them to make these kinds of right choices so that not only their own families but our society can be healthier. Dublin needs the influence that the men of this church are providing. And we thank you, dads. We thank all of you for what you've done to be an involved, loving father in your family's lives. You may not hear it every day like you should, but your loving, caring presence in the lives of your children, your boring reliability, come on. Your hard work that never makes the evening news, your unwavering love for Jesus, all of it together is helping your children and society in ways that you cannot possibly comprehend. And your impact continues to grow. The fathers and the mothers of this great church are making a difference around the state and around the world. Influence, influence. Thank you, men, for choosing rightly so that your influence expands beyond your wildest expectations. And then our second dichotomy today looks at our identity as men, our identity as fathers. Men have to have a clear identity for themselves. But men in our culture are bombarded with mixed messages, challenging and confusing that identity, it seems, more than ever. Our identity. Kids seem to readily recognize things that some adults nowadays are choosing to question. Maybe you've seen this often reported survey of some children uh, that was done years ago. A young boy named Alan, age 10, answered the question, how do you decide to, who to marry with this nugget? You got to find somebody who likes the same stuff. Like if you like sports, she should like it that you like sports and she should keep the chips and dip coming from a 10-year-old. Kirsten had a different perspective. She was also 10. No person really decides before they grow up who they're going to marry. God decides it all way before, and you get to find out later who you're stuck with. <laughs> what is the right age to get married? Well, Camille is a 10-year-old, and she said, I think 23 is the best because you know the person forever by then. 
Freddie was only six, and he said, no age is good to get married at. you got to be a fool to get married, according to Freddie. How can a total stranger tell if two people are married? Eddie, age six, said, well, married people usually look like they're happy to talk to other people. Derek, age eight, said, you might have to guess based on whether they seem to be yelling at the same kids. <laughs> Truth. <laughs> What do most people do on a date? Lynette, Lynette, age eight, offered, dates are for having fun, and people should use them to get to know each other. Even boys have something to say if you listen long enough. And Martin, age 10, said, on the first date, they just tell each other lies, and that usually gets them interested enough to go for a second date. Wow. Wisdom beyond his ears. Huh? ears. And then finally, when is it okay to kiss someone? Pam, age seven, said, when they're rich. Kurt, age seven, said, the law says you have to be 18, so I wouldn't want to mess with that. And Howard, age eight, says, the rule goes like this. If you kiss someone, then you should marry them and have kids with them. It's the right thing to do. Wisdom of children. Well, here's what Scripture says. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. And it's important as we read these scriptures today to remember, you know, Paul wrote more books, more letters in the New Testament than any other person. And what scholars believe based on the timing of this is this, these were the last words that Paul wrote. After all that he had written before and said, that he probably was, was in prison and he was probably getting ready to die soon. So think about it. What would you say if you knew this was going to be your last letter, your last communication, it kind of raises maybe the, the urgency and the importance of, of Paul understanding Paul's letter to young Timothy. And here's what he said in chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, verse 1. I solemnly urge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. Preach the word. What people need more than anything else, they need the word of God. Be prepared, whether the time is favorable or not, patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. Oh, that's far-fetched. Come on. In fact, Paul said... People will reject the truth, and they'll actively chase after myths. I mean, it's one thing. Many of them will sit there, and the myths will come to them, but other people will actually start chasing, investing energy in something that's a total myth. Verse 5, but you, Timothy, you radiant life, you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry that God has given you. Rejecting the truth and chasing a myth. The enemy of our souls knows that a man's identity is of utmost importance. My situation is mine and yours is yours. But I know in my father's case, I don't know of a more powerful force for evangelism than a godly father, period. I know the foundation that I was given. I know the life that he lived. I know how grateful I am. And let me tell you this. His father had to start from scratch. 
We've got some men in the room today, some men who are watching online. You don't have the benefit. You, you weren't raised in a godly home. It, it doesn't seem like the easiest thing in the world for you. And well, it doesn't for anybody, but even more so for, for someone who didn't come up with an example that they could rely on as they were growing up. My father's father was raised in the home of a drunk who rejected God, and his father was also raised in a home similar. So when my grandfather turned his life over to Jesus, he faced rejection. He faced being booted out of his family. There was, there was not this ability to connect like they had, and he had to do it all on his own. And he sure made some mistakes along the way, I'm sure. But he raised his children in the fear and the admission of the Lord, and so his children did the same thing. And so now, here I come along two generations later, I don't know anything about those past struggles. All I know is being raised in a home where mom and dad love God and they love each other, and it's not perfect, but, but I'm blessed with that example. And so I say that to you today. Some of you in the room, you're the first generation. God bless you. It's hard. It's challenging. You feel like, I'm not sure I got this thing down. And you're right. None of us do. But those hard choices you're making, that, that commitment, I'm going to stick with this, what you're doing is you're paving the way for your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren should Jesus delay his second coming to grow up with knowing nothing but the goodness of God. So thank you for taking those steps. Does it feel lonely? It sure does. And that's why we've got to come together as a family of God. But your choices are going to create more fruit of goodness and freedom and health than you can possibly imagine. And that's why the enemy and those who are following our enemy without Jesus, they're act actively creating these myths. And they're everywhere now. What is a man? Even the Christian man's man, if you want to say that, receives confusing messages. On the one hand, we can, we can go too far this way and lean in too much towards tolerance and open-mindedness and spines of jelly, which doesn't really help anybody. Or we can, we can revolt and lean the other way and become intolerant and, and angry and self-centered and, and not care what anybody else thinks. We, we've got to, with the Holy Spirit's help, discern what is truth. And so are some young men today going to be drawn toward manual labor in the trades? Yes, they are, and thank God. Are some young men going to be drawn into business and construction and administration? Yes, they are, and thank God. Are some going to be drawn toward justice and law enforcement, some toward medicine and rescue, and some towards coaching, education, child care, and child welfare? Yes, they are, and thank the Lord that they are. Are some going to gravitate toward the fulfillment of, of raising animals and crops on the farm? Praise God. And, and some of them will take those animals and, and through the culinary arts, they'll put them on the food, on the table with great display and care. And others will take textiles and designs and put clothes on our backs. backs and we say, thank God that he's calling all these men. Are some going to do what they do with, with incredible savvy? Are some going to do it just just frank and, and say the truth, whatever, whatever happens. Are some going to do it with, with networking? Are some going to prefer independence? 
Are some going to do it with the sweat of their brow, others with style, some with a few words and some with a lot of words, and some maybe with a gruff exterior and some with a, a gentle tenderness? And the answer is yes, because following God and following his word is what it means to be a man, whatever that looks like. And I don't know that the church has always done the best that we could do to help a boy or help a young man realize there is variety. And sometimes because of, of unintentional ways that, that we can kind of join the world in stereotyping, we may have over the last few decades convinced too many young men or too many young women that, that what the world was saying is true because we didn't make a way to celebrate them for what God has called them to do and equipped them to do. But we're, we're here today and we're moving forward. And at the end of the day, fatherhood and manhood is not defined by our outward appearance, by the nature of our hobbies, by the level of our education or success, or, or by stereotypes or skill sets or vocations. King David, who we mentioned before in our song today, David liked to dance. I mean, he liked to dance in a way that offended some people. He liked to write poems, long poems. He was a very artistic person, and yet he also enjoyed slaying the occasional giant and lions and bears. Oh, my. We can't put what it looks like to be a man in a box, but what we can do is celebrate dads all day and every day and celebrate their hard work and skill, whatever it looks like. A culture, of course, that does not know who Jesus is seems to be doing today what they've always done, even 2,000 years ago. You caught that, right, what Paul said to Timothy? Culture will reject the truth and chase after myths. That's not new. Last week, in our present time, a student at the University of Cincinnati was failed on an assignment in college because her professor said that her paper reinforced heteronormativity. Just the latest example of what students in schools and colleges across the country are experiencing. So here's a newsflash, heteronormative. It's, it's normal for a, a man and a woman to have a, a relationship and, and live together as a man and a woman uh, in marriage. That's now called heteronormativity. Here's, here's a newsflash. Here's some science. If you have any desire to sustain human life for at least a few more generations, would you like to do that? All right. There is no way of identifying who biological men and women are and how they're going to relate to each other sexually than heteronormativity. It's, it's, it's not the Bible. It's not scripture. It's survival. Right? Stated another way, people who embrace and celebrate alternative lifestyles are completely dependent on heteronormative men and women producing babies at such healthy rates that the population can create enough humans to perpetuate a robust heteronormativity that would even allow for the existence of those alternatives. And since birth rates have been declining so rapidly, and they have, you know that, right? Our society is going to have to determine whether or not we want to be comfortable with celebrating heteronormativity. It's a key to our survival. There just won't be enough humans in several generations if we don't see a reversal and an embrace of young men falling in love with young women and helping us to grow our population because we are seeing a decline. 
Dr. David Jeremiah says it this way, the Bible frees women just as the Bible frees men. A bird is free to fly if it flies in the air. A fish is free to swim if it swims in the ocean. A train moves with the most freedom when it stays on the tracks. So men and women have the most freedom when they operate in the realm designed for them by God. But the challenge for a father's identity today goes way beyond just biology. Knowing the critical role that fathers play in families and societies, the enemy uses any possible attack to discourage, to distract healthy fathers. So, so that's what's happening in the world. Let me encourage then all the dads in this room today, once again, you are needed. You are valued you are loved, you are appreciated, and we need what you are providing in your family and in our culture at large. Your faithfulness is making a difference even when it's hard to see. Your strength, your resolve is providing quiet confidence for everyone in your family, even if people don't know how to articulate it. Your love is melting hearts, even when people may not say it. Your sacrifice is creating stability. Your protection is preventing harm. We hope that people will never have to endure. We need way more than one day on the calendar to remind us about Thanksgiving and Christmas and Easter, just like we need way more than one day for all the mothers and all the fathers and the incredible role that you play. Dads, as our keyboard comes and we conclude in prayer, be encouraged today in big ways and small ways. Your identity as a man of God, the way God has called you to be a man, to be a husband, to be a father and a grandfather. Your influence in ways that you will never know until you get to heaven is making an eternal difference on top of making a daily difference in the lives of those around you. What is the responsibility of a Christian father? Doing whatever it takes for as long as it takes. And in every family, that's going to look different. But doing whatever it takes. I'm in. You can count on me. I am in. I will do whatever it takes, and I will do it for as long as it takes to selfly inspire your spouse and your family with the motivation to serve and follow Jesus, whether they eventually do or don't. That last part is up to them and the Holy Spirit. But with every breath that you have in there, your simple, profound commitment to say, I'm in, whatever it takes for as long as it takes, that's our responsibility as Christian fathers. And this church sees it. This church recognizes it. And this body of Christ wants to help you every step of the way as you continue to make that commitment. I know that's what my father did. I know that's what my father-in-law did. And that's what I intend to do. And that's what the fathers of this church intend to do for the rest of our lives. Would you all stand as we pray today? Father, I thank you as I look at a room like this. I just know there's dozens and dozens, more than I could possibly imagine, of examples 
of spouses and children and grandchildren, adopted kids and kids in the neighborhood who, who that, that person acted like a dad for them, coaches in schools, teachers, police, doctors, other people, Lord, who've stepped up in the role of a father and they did everything they could do for as long as they could do it to influence others, to know your love, to know that you care for them, to, to do what they could do through the power of the Holy Spirit to model just a little bit of the love of our Heavenly Father toward us. That I thank you for all these men who've signed up. They maybe didn't sign a, a commitment card to be a father, but they've lived it out. And I thank you for their testimony and for the joy of being a father. Lord, we pray today that, that this heavenly example of fathers and this earthly example all around us of fathers will remind us one more time of your love. This was your plan. You never intended for a single young boy or a single young girl to have to grow up without a father. That was your plan, to give us all loving fathers. And so many billions of people have experienced that. But many have not. And I pray today that wherever we're at, Lord, that more importantly than, than any human relationship, we would feel the love of our Heavenly Father today. And if there's someone watching or someone in this room today who's, who's not yet experienced the joy of surrendering their life to Jesus Christ, that your Holy Spirit would take these words and would put them on a path where that can be their reality. And for all the dads in this room today, we pray, God, that they will feel encouraged, strengthened, and committed more than ever to embrace the privilege and the role that you've given us to be dads. We thank you, Lord God, because you're a good God. You give us everything that we need, all the strength that we could imagine, and you walk with us every step of the way. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. And Everyone said amen. Pastor Dave.